0: Welcome to 24-Hour Expert. You'll enjoy this podcast if you're someone who likes learning about different topics or just enjoys a good old fun fact. I'm Allie.
1: And I'm Dan. Each week we challenge each other to become an expert on a random topic in just 24 hours. Now it's time to find out how much we've learned. So we do these HelloFresh? And this isn't a commercial for HelloFresh, but they're pretty, they're pretty good.
0: Right. Yeah. We do them too. Yeah.
1: I'm just not a sour cream fan. Like, I will eat sour cream in the form of like a sour cream and onion chip or like a cheddar and sour cream chip, but like sour cream, not, not, not a fan. Okay. So we're eating these things. It's like a zucchini boat with rice. And I'm eating it. I'm like, oh, there's sour cream in here. And you know who, is like, no, it's guacamole. And I'm like, okay, well, I know it's sour cream, but whatever. Like, I'm eating it. And (laughs) then, so afterward, we always say, like, oh, I like that one, or no, I didn't like that one. I said, I like that one. I just, I don't want as much sour cream in my next time. And he's like, there was no sour cream. I'm like, there 100% was sour cream in there. It's like, no, there wasn't. I'm like, I can go find the recipe card and look at the ingredients, and I will prove to you. Without even making the meal, that there was sour cream in here. It's like, no, there wasn't. So I go to the little bin, I pull out the little card, and like the seventh ingredient listed sour cream. I'm like, right here, sour cream. And he's like, no, I mean, that's like, yeah, there's sour cream, but it was mixed in with the guacamole. It was guacamole crema. That's not sour cream. And I was like, okay, whatever it's mixed with, it's still sour cream. I could taste the sour cream. It's <laughs> like, no, it's totally different. He's like, that's like saying like coffee has water in it. I'm like coffee does have water in it. Like what are you talking about? Am are we taking crazy pills right now? Anyway, like I don't like sour cream. I'll eat it, but don't try to mix sour cream into something like I'm a dog where you're trying to hide a pill in a like a thing of turkey. Like I'm going to taste it. I'm not an idiot.
0: That's so funny. Oh well, first off, we keep ours in a little basket too. <laughs> keep all the recipes. <laughs>
1: I mean, we paid for them; we got to keep them.
0: Oh yeah, because I figure you know, there's some that I would make again yeah. that don't have like two like different of ingredients that it wouldn't be a pain to buy at the grocery store. Right. But we always do the same thing. Like, is this a keep or is this a a no? Yeah. So I'm what I'm hearing is next time you like the zucchini boats, but you want straight guacamole, right. not the crema. The
1: guacamole crema, like. Ugh, I just I just don't like being told there's a different reality than I'm experiencing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. And it's so funny to me that you're like, mm, there's sour cream in yeah, there. Yeah,
1: like it's a very distinct flavor. If you can't taste sour cream with something, fix your palate.
0: I would agree with that. But I like it, so yeah. it doesn't bother me. I
1: mean, I don't hate it. It's, it's more of like a consistency slash visual thing for me. Like a big glob of sour cream is just not appetizing. I think it goes back to, back in the day, my family used to go to this thing called Golden Corral. It's like, it's like a buffet. Oh, I recognize the name. I mean, hmm, I wouldn't go there now, but whatever. Uh, You could feed a family for pretty cheap. And I remember going and I was thinking, I got like this like fruit salad. And then I thought this bin of white stuff was whipped cream. So I was Mm -hmm. like, got my fruit salad and I put a big scoop or a big dollop of whipped cream on top of my fruit salad Oh! walked back to the table sat down took a big mouthful and no it was sour cream and it was so gross (laughs) and the expectation was just not good and from there on out I just don't think I like sour cream
0: yeah Well, hey fair enough oh but that's so horrible when you think you're putting something else in your mouth
1: I also have a chocolate milk story about Golden Crow, but we'll save that for a different pod. Hey, Allie.
0: Hi, Dan.
1: <laughs> you think it's my episode this week.
0: Oh, shocker. It's not. It's mine. <laughs> or not shocker plot twist, maybe, but yeah. it's my week.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: Dun. And I have a weird one for you this week.
1: I saw the Zoom invite, and I did not understand what I was reading.
0: So I was going to do bigfoot. Okay. And he'll still show up in this, so if you're like into Bigfoot stuff, don't worry, we're going to talk about him. But while I was researching Bigfoot, I came across this term, cryptozoology.
1: Right, right.
0: Not anology I've heard of before. No, me either. So I looked into it and it's it's funny. Basically what it is, it's the study of hidden animals. Okay. So, your Bigfoot, Yeti, Chupacabras, any of those kind of things. Like
1: a Loch Ness? That people claim
0: to have s- Loch Ness, that's one, yes. Any of those kind of creatures that people claim to see or claim that there's evidence that they exist, this is the study of them. Okay. So, it is a pseudoscience, classified by <sighs> the scientific community as a pseudoscience. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm actually shocked that one of your episodes is about pseudoscience. I mean...
0: I know. I would never.
1: Numerology, astrology, black holes. Well, black holes were real.
0: <laughs> That's not... Black holes are Those real, man. You don't want them to be real, but they're real. Yeah.
1: Very on brand. Oh, Very on brand.
0: Well, I wasn't even intending to do this. I just, you know, I like folklore and urban legends, So I just kind of got down this rabbit hole of this cryptozoology. So that's what we're going to do. And here we are. <laughs> so like I mentioned, it's a pseudoscience that aims to prove the existence of creatures from folklore. We've very briefly talked about some of these creatures before. Um, I think it was the Jersey Devil we talked about in The Headless Horseman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he would, he, I don't know why the Jersey Devil's a boy. It would fall under cryptozoology. And the creatures of cryptozoology are called cryptids.
1: Cryptids. Okay.
0: There you go. They're just generally the cryptids. (laughs) So, Dan, I threw this in for you because I know you like a definition. I
1: love a definition. So-
0: the Oxford English Dictionary defines the noun cryptid as an animal whose existence or survival to the present day is disputed or unsubstantiated. Any animal of interest to a cryptozoologist. Okay. I thought it was funny. They're like, oh, it doesn't exist, but cryptozoologists like it. Right.
1: I, for the longest time, thought that unicorns were real.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, like horse unicorns, probably not, but there's... Like narwhals, which are kind of like unicorns, like whale unicorns.
1: You said horse unicorn. And I was like, uh, uh, oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Like, yeah, like the body of a horse with a horn, a unicorn, like a traditional unicorn. Yeah.
1: And then just thinking about the Oxford English Dictionary, do you think they have a panel where they just once a year, they get all the new words And then they vote to decide what's going to make it into the dictionary.
0: I think so, because isn't that what Webster does? Like, they vote every year or decide. I don't know how they decide what new words are added. Right.
1: How do we get on this committee?
0: Uh, Well, there you go. There's an episode. Yeah,
1: how do dictionaries (laughs) work? Like, who decided the alphabet? Why does A come first and Z come last?
0: I don't know, but I don't mind that A is first, because I'm A. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Number one.
0: You're number four.
1: (laughs) We could do an entire episode of why (laughs) Canada calls Z Zed.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. You just need to do words <laughs> as a
1: topic. Hey, everyone. Today's topic is going to be words. Off oh. the rails. Off okay. the rails. Let's go back.
0: <laughs> Let's bring it back around. Cryptozoology. It is considered a pseudoscience because it does not follow the scientific method. It is neither a branch of zoology or folklore studies, which I didn't know that folklore studies was its own thing, which that uh-huh. sounds fun.
1: Yeah. We should major in that.
0: I know. Well, I mean, I'm basically an expert in it now.
1: Bloody yeah, Mary.
0: Well, like the legend Bloody Mary, not real Bloody Mary. The right. Jersey Devil, and now this whole topic.
1: Yeah. I mean it's in the title. Expert, 24 hour expert.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Cryptozoology was founded by zoologists, so actual zoologists, Bernard Huvelman. i trying my best on that. And <laughs> Every Ivan time. I know. I even spell it out phonetically, and I still get nervous. I just need to say it with more authority. It's not like anyone's going to go check me.
1: Nobody. Nobody.
0: Bernard (laughs) Huvelman. (laughs) Uh-huh. And Ivan T. Sanderson.
1: Well, Sanderson sounded real.
0: Yeah, that's easy. You know, because like the Sanderson sisters, so I recognize that word. (laughs) What's that from? From Hocus Pocus. Oh. Okay, so time for a fun fact. Studies are done to see what influence cryptozoologists have on society because they put information out there, right? Sure. Just as a bonus fun fact in a fun fact, ghost hunting and ufology, which is the study of UFOs, which I did not know that that word existed, also get lumped in with this cryptozoology and are considered pseudosciences. So yeah, there's actual studies done like on the information that's put out, for example, like in media and when things show up to see like what people do with it and like take it as fact or fiction or... So I just thought that was interesting that there's people watching kind of this info that gets put out that is considered pseudoscience.
1: Interesting. That is interesting. Do you believe in UFOs? I, or wait, do you believe in aliens?
0: I think that aliens probably exist. I don't know that I believe that they've been to Earth. Okay. I mean, I know it was a pretty unique situation that Earth happened, but if it happened, it means it can happen somewhere else in another galaxy in another solar system. Right. So I'm sure there's other galaxies, solar systems somewhere out there that have some form of life. I don't think they necessarily are what we are. Right. But yeah, I doubt they've ever been here. Sure. <laughs> Although it would be fun. Like all this stuff, I want it to be real because I think it's fun. But then when I really think about it, I'm like, yeah, probably not.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's... What is it? It's possible, but probably not probable.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it would be really fun if it was real. I don't know. Well, I mean, with your space thing, no, you don't want space. Yeah, you don't even want yeah. black holes. So,
1: <laughs> If you're an alien listening to the podcast, email us at 24 expert at AOL.com. We'd love to have you as a guest.
0: <laughs> yes. And I should probably check that email to see if anybody just emailed us as a joke.
1: Right. Has that been released? Yeah. People know about that. yeah Yeah.
0: AOL is out yeah
1: Yeah. actually I think AOL like blew up we got a lot of listens
0: oh nice yeah
1: people love their AOL
0: (laughs) you thought it was too boring but I was like oh no I love it
1: (laughs) uh I was listening to it. I'm like this is boring but apparently not especially
0: the instant messenger stuff I mean right everybody loved instant messenger yeah again looping back around to cryptozoology In 1955, Bernard published the book On the Track of Unknown Animals, which is considered the landmark work among cryptozoologists. Ivan also published a series of books that helped establish the hallmark creatures of cryptozoology, like the ones we mentioned before. And for example, one of the titles of one of his books is Abominable Snowmen, Legend Come to Life.
1: Oh, I do love the yeah. Abominable Snowman.
0: Oh, yeah, from like Rudolph? Yes. Yes. It's so cute.
1: I know. I mean, that should be an episode on its own, is this whole, like, they were so mean to Rudolph. What lesson were we trying to learn? We could have done better. Yeah.
0: We could have done better. Yeah. And we didn't like him until he was useful f- to us. Come on.
1: Yeah. Please. Yeah. You know what? Nice. Uh, we'll do a Rudolph episode.
0: There you go. Around Christmas. Okay. So this is going to get kind of, I don't want to say weird. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Kind of go off in a weird direction here for a second? Okay. So cryptozoologists are often tied to a group called the Young Earth Creationism Group. Okay. So young Earthers, my term, did not see that on the internet, that's what I'm (laughs) calling them, in summary, reject evolution, and they go on expeditions to find living dinosaurs so that they can invalidate the theory of evolution.
1: Okay, sounds like a futile effort, but...
0: Right. So a lot of cryptozoologists also belong to this group as well, and they go... Monster hunting, basically. Sidebar, though, aren't crocodiles and shark basically living dinosaurs?
1: I don't know. Yes, I mean they look I mean, like dinosaurs. mean, there's like a type of
0: shark that can live for like 400 years or something, and crocodiles, I think, existed with some dinosaurs. Oh, really? I, I mean, I don't the t- know the timeline, you know, exactly, but I'm pretty sure at least crocodiles existed at the same period as some dinosaurs.
1: I mean, I, b- I believe it. I don't know. I believe
0: it. So, all right. Well, I'll have to look that up for a future episode, or maybe for the 50th hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fact check myself there. But when they're, like, looking for living dinosaurs, I'm like, what? crocodiles? They're, like, right there. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard. You can, like, go to the zoo. But <laughs> moving on. She
1: solved it, people. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> I don't know that the people who are, like, super dead set on... Like Bigfoot, Abominable Snowman, Loch Ness. I don't know that they're really looking for hard evidence. So like, you could put a crocodile in front of them and they'd be like, I don't see it. I don't see it.
0: They're like, oh, but look at these footprints. What are these from?
1: Exactly.
0: And I'm like, right here. The crocodile right. that's standing here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I couldn't tell you.
0: Let me take this grainy photo as I run through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry if you are a cryptozoologist.
1: <laughs> that visual was... That was so good. <laughs> like You couldn't have image stabilization on your camera? You couldn't have stood still?
0: <laughs> nope. You can't. You can't do it. Like,
1: my iPhone can literally snap a picture in pitch dark now and come out crystal clear, but you couldn't catch this animal in the middle of the forest? <laughs> nope.
0: Ugh. <laughs> uh. And actually, there was a cryptozoology show on the History Channel called Monster Quest that searched for all these creatures, and it ran from 2007 to 2010. Okay.
1: They used to have that Ghost Hunter show, too.
0: Yeah, there's Ghost Hunter. So if you're like me and you just think this stuff is fun, maybe check out the shows. I don't know. I have not personally watched Monster Quest. I don't know if it's good or not. I kind of feel like, and again, I've not seen any of them, so I don't know. It's probably like, you know, those documentaries, they're like, oh, it's like they promote like Bigfoot, Yeti, the Loch Ness Monster, and you watch for an hour and there's no new information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, what's the big reveal? They finally figured it out. No, no, no. Probably did not. All right, Dan, let's get to the fun part. Let's talk about the cryptids. Okay. So the first one we're going to talk about is Chupacabra.
1: Oh, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is.
0: I'm going to tell you what it is.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Obviously, like, that's literally my job is to tell you what it yeah. is. <laughs> so it's a creature that is said to attack and drink the blood of livestock. Its first sighting was in 1975, which is not that no, long ago. No. Like, this one was weird. This one's very recent. In Puerto Rico, in a small town, there was a series of livestock killings. The killings at first were believed to have been committed by a satanic cult, mm. And I didn't check, but I wonder if this was during the same time as like the satanic panic in the US where like every crime, you know, should have checked that market for the 50th hour. So there were multiple killings of livestock around this area, and the animals were reported to have been bled dry through multiple small circular incisions like in their abdomen. Mm. So the town that this was happening in started calling it the vampire of Mocha. Mocha is the town. Oh, okay. Then in 1995, there were more attacks, again, in Puerto Rico, with the blood being drained, puncture wounds. And a few months later, Madeline Tolentino reported seeing the creature.
1: Ooh, Madeline. So there's an
0: eyewitness account. Yeah. So the name Chupacabra was coined by Silvaro Perez. After incidents were reported in the press... So I think they reported in the press, and then he started calling it chupacabra from what I'm taking from how it happened. And there were other incidents of the same type of death happening in other countries, even in the United States. So the chupacabra or chupacabras are out there killing livestock. Okay. So a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Radford conducted a five-year investigation and wrote a book called Tracking the Chupacabra. Oh, my God. So what he found out was Madeline's report was heavily influenced by the movie Species that she had recently watched. So how she described the chupacabra is almost exactly how the monster in that movie looks. Madeline. So he thinks she had this movie in her head, saw a weird whatever, and then, you know, her imagination filled in the rest. Also, the blood... Being sucked out of the animals and them having no blood left was never confirmed by an autopsy by a veterinarian. They're saying that the animals were bled dry, but they don't know that. And actually, there was a veterinarian that checked out some of the animals, and they were not bled dry. No, oh. So that was they were just, just dead. not. They are just dead. Something killed them. No. Oh. So there was a gentleman by the name of Barry O'Connor, who actually went to the University of Michigan.
1: Okay. Go blue.
0: So- Yeah, go blue. Or I'm sorry, I should not say that. Go green, go white. (laughs) University of Michigan is go blue. So... (laughs) He concluded that the animals in the United States specifically that were being called chupacabras were simply coyotes that were infected with a specific parasite that gave them the characteristics of what people were describing the creature as. So virtually hairless, thick in skin, rank odor. Because the coyotes have this parasite and are in a weakened state, they are more likely to go after livestock versus hunt
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they... Week and they can't hop. So like, okay, I'm gonna break into a farm and kill some livestock, right? So that's chupa coppers for you.
1: Break into a farm as if the security is just like top notch.
0: <laughs> I know it's gonna be like the mission impossible drop. Dun dun through dun, the fence.
1: dun 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 dun. Ooh, we probably can't use that.
0: I'm sorry, Daniel. I don't, <laughs> I don't even, what was that?
1: So uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you were trying to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Was that like a car screeching its tires (laughs) on the ground? Um, No, I always thought that chupacabra was the thing that sat on your chest when you woke up in the middle of the night. Have you heard of that?
0: Oh, no, but I want to know what it is.
1: Oh, okay. So there's a lot of science behind this, but basically it's called, it's a form of paralysis that happens when you're sleeping. And a lot of people experience this, but you're like semi-conscious- or conscious, but your sleep is, you're still, like, y- your brain thinks you're sleeping, so you're paralyzed. Okay. And a lot of people, because this happened back in the day when we didn't have science, a lot of people right. thought that it was like some demon that used to sit on your chest and make it hard to breathe and made it so you couldn't move. But it's just um, really like a scientific phenomenon that happens with the way your brain sleeps and your body and all that stuff. Right. But I thought that that monster that sat on your chest was a chupacabra. Now uh, I don't know what it is.
0: So yeah, I've heard of that condition, but no, I haven't heard that like lore before. That's cool. I'm gonna have to look into that. All right, Dan. So next one we're gonna talk about Bigfoot, the man, the myth, the legend.
1: Yes, Bigfoot. Or the woman.
0: Or the woman, yeah. I guess we don't know.
1: I mean by definition, there would have had to been a big woman, Bigfoot woman.
0: Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean there's a whole flock of them maybe heard. I don't know. I don't know what they travel yeah. in pack. A gaggle. Yeah. Whatever they travel in.
1: That is actually interesting because you always hear about like the lone Bigfoot, but <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> Just talk about Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> but yes, you always see it as a single entity. You never see it in a group or see multiples. Yes, I agree.
1: Right. Like what is it what is it multiplying with?
0: Has something, right? If it's still existing. Yep. Or yep. was even created, I guess. Bigfoot actually has a bunch of names, and I knew some of these were the same thing, but not all of them. Sasquatch, mm-hmm. same thing. I heard that one. Sure. Wendigo, or Wendigo, not quite sure which ones are connected. I've heard of that creature, but I didn't know it was the same thing as Bigfoot. Okay. And then rugaroo, which I've also heard of, but did not know was the same thing as Bigfoot.
1: I didn't know that was the same. I have heard of that,
0: though. Bigfoot, obviously, known around the world. Stories go back beyond recorded history. And there's actually some people that believe that I had never heard this before and thought it was interesting. Some people believe that that Bigfoot appears as a warning telling man to change his ways. So in times of, you know, bad things are happening, he'll show up and it's like a sign.
1: Oh, kind of like Bloody Mary.
0: Okay, yeah, exactly.
1: You're about to die, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> could you imagine someone just shows up like hey uh just so you know you're gonna die Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) bigfoot comes out of the woods you guys are f***ing this all up and then he disappears
1: (laughs) oh you got it all wrong people
0: (laughs) bigfoot is typically described as an ape or human-like creature he's covered in hair he's up to eight feet tall Bigfoot is reported to inhabit the forests of North America, and there is a lot of evidence of Bigfoot's existence, including footprints, pictures, and videos, many of which are grainy, you can barely tell what they look like, or have Mm -hmm. been found out to be hoaxes.
1: I mean, it's 2021, this is the second time we've done this joke in this episode, like We have Nest Cams, we have Ring doorbells, we have iPhones, we have Samsung Galaxy phones, we have GoPros. There is no way that you can't get a good video of this creature in 2021.
0: Right? I mean, they literally, for a creature we're going to talk about a little later, took like helicopters with infrared cameras to look for heat patterns that could possibly be this creature.
1: Mm -hmm. If -hmm. we want to
0: find something, we're going to find it.
1: I can look up your house... On Google Maps, and I can find out if you were parked in your front driveway or not. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. So, mainstream scientists consider Bigfoot to be a combination of folklore, misidentification, and hoax, obviously.
1: Wait, it's not real? No, no. Oh. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, we, we have no concrete proof. I guess I can't, with 100% certainty, say Bigfoot doesn't exist.
1: Okay, good. Keep the hope alive.
0: So maybe... In our next hour special we will
1: <laughs> special guest is Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there are actually tetroglyphs it's like rock paintings oh, okay that are between 500 and a thousand years old at the Tool River Indian Reservation in California that depict a group of Bigfoots that they refer to as the family and the local tribes people call the largest of the glyphs Harry man.
1: Mm, okay.
0: People have been reporting Bigfoot for a very long time.
1: Yeah. I did love how you said bigfoots. I would have I would have expected it to be big feet.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, that was a copy and paste, so not my word. <laughs> <laughs> so, the name Bigfoot comes from a gentleman named Jerry Crew who coined the term in 1958, he was a bulldozer operator for a logging company and discovered a set of large 16-inch human-like footprints deep in the mud in Six Rivers National Forest. He's the one who used the term Bigfoot when he was telling people about this, and he claims to have seen these same large footprints at previous job sites. Okay. And this is just a fun fact before we move on to our next cryptic um this is from the national guard the western air defense sector washington air national guard adopted the mascot of bigfoot and operates 24 hours a day seven days a week monitoring the skies of nearly 73 percent of the united states and canada just like bigfoot the legend the sector is rarely seen and rarely heard but rest assured it continues to observe and if necessary serve as a messenger of warning
1: I don't understand.
0: Oh, so like the um, air defense sector of the National Guard adopted Bigfoot as their mascot, and they do like air surveillance.
1: Oh, oh. So like if there's any like missiles coming in, they would like warn us.
0: Yeah. So they just kind of silently patrol the skies, but their mascot is Bigfoot, which is cute.
1: Yeah, that is cute. It's a little freaky that they're up there, but I guess it's good someone's watching out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Somebody's always watching us. (laughs) all right dan our next cryptic the yeti and or the abominable snowman
1: isn't that just like snow bigfoot
0: yeah (laughs) my first like literally the first words on my paper like bigfoot (laughs) is an ape-like creature reported to inhabit the himalayan mountain range in asia okay Again, big footprints, sightings, photos, video recordings, all exist as evidence. And folklorists, didn't know that was a word, (laughs) (laughs) trace the origin of the Yeti to a combination of factors, including Sherpa folklore and misidentified either bear, yaks, or langar monkeys. Okay. So they think the abominable snowman It's probably just a misidentified creature. It's also called the Mete, if I'm pronouncing that right, in Himalayan folklore. And the Yeti is believed to be part of pre-Buddhist beliefs of some Himalayan people. And the Lepcha people worshipped a glacier being, air quotes, glacier being, Mm -hmm. as god of the hunt. And he carries a large stone as a weapon. Oh, okay. So I just thought that was Interesting. That he kind of like played into their beliefs. Yeah.
1: You know, like he's an
0: actual god of something. Yeah. So in 1951, this is probably one of the most popular pieces of evidence that there is floating around about the Yeti. Michael Ward and Eric Shipton found and photographed a footprint in the snow in 1951. Daniel, be happy if you look it up. It's very clear. Okay. And they even like had the presence of mind to lay their like snow axe next to it. So they had scale for the footprint. Oh, okay. So they were on a Mount Everest reconnaissance expedition when they came across this footprint on a glacier. And I did watch a clip from the National Geographic where guys in modern day, I don't know exactly what year modern day, went back to the glacier and were trying where this photograph was taken and were trying to find evidence.
1: Okay. It's not like they had Photoshop back then.
0: No, they didn't. Yeah, it was 1951. And I'm just impressed that they were like, oh, let's lay our ice axe here so we have scale. Right. You know.
1: Right. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh! It's like a weird, like looks
0: like a monkey foot.
1: It really does. It really, really does. I wonder how that could be explained, though.
0: I mean, they could have just made it.
1: Well, Allison,
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm not calling them liars. I don't know.
1: I guess personally. was it just the one footprint?
0: I don't know because there was another picture. I'm not sure if it's from the same people. That was a whole trail of footprints.
1: I see those here too, but
0: <laughs> but those weren't like the trail wasn't up close. At least the one I looked at. Right.
1: Okay. Um. Yeti, if you're out there, please email us. We'd love to have you as a guest.
0: Love it. would be ecstatic. We'll even travel to you.
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't think that's in the budget.
0: Our last cryptic of tonight the Mokuli Mbembe.
1: Oh, this one sounds complicated.
0: It sounds complicated. And I have practiced this word a lot. Today.
1: I mean, you killed it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, it, the meaning of the name is one who stops the flow of rivers. Like a dam. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an animal dam. It's a water-dwelling creature that lives in the Congo River Basin. It's a large quadrupedal herbivore with smooth grayish skin, long neck, and a single tooth or horn. We're not sure if it's a tooth or a horn. Okay. So basically, picture an Apatosaurus or a Brontosaurus, so a long-necked dinosaur. Okay, okay. Literally what all the pictures look like. In the early 1900s, there was a spot at Lake Bengalualu in South Africa that had... A noted lack of hippopotami, which, (laughs) this makes me so happy, that word. It's hippopotami.
1: Yeah. Like, one day, people are walking along, and they're just looking around, and you're like, you know what? There is a noted lack of hippopotami in this area.
0: Yes. Native said it was because there was a large hippo-killing creature that lived in the lake. Oh, no. But also, I mean, I've not personally seen a hippo. Besides, like, outside of, you know, zoos. Sure. But they're big animals. And I've only seen, like, the pygmy hippos. And if I curled up into a ball, they're probably bigger than I am. So what kind of creature kills something that big? Wait. Besides, like, man and hunters. You know what I mean?
1: Can we can we go back for just a second? Yes. I, I don't know if I misheard, but... <laughs> I think you said I could curl up in a ball and they are bigger than me.
0: Of a pygmy hippo.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know what a pygmy hippo is, but I'm th- I'm sitting here thinking, Allison, you don't have to curl <laughs> up in a ball. A hippo is bigger than you.
0: Yes. I mean, a regular hippo, yes. Pygmy hippos are just like small hippos.
1: Like a pig hippo?
0: No. I mean, it's still a hippo. It's just like a small variety of hippo.
1: I'm Googling it. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're super cute.
1: Oh, they're very cute. Okay. Yeah. little wrinkly.
0: So, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, you and I could, like, be standing next to each other, and a hippo is so bigger than us. But I mean, like, a pygmy hippo.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I don't think I've ever seen one of these before. But I thought it was funny that you're talking about how you... (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't matter.
0: But, Yeah. Basically, what kind of creature is so big that it's killing a hippo? Right.
1: Yeah, it's not.
0: That's insane to me. The first description of the Mokili Mbembe was by Carl Hagenbeck in 1909 in his autobiography, Beast and Men. So he's like a big game hunter. So he's traveled around the world a lot, heard a lot of folklore. So he was the first one who gave a description of this creature. But I feel like we should also note that in the 1910s, Europe and North America were going through a huge pop culture interest in dinosaurs. And the Brontosaurus was one of the most popular dinosaurs. Okay. I just feel like, okay, maybe we're out there seeing dinosaurs because we're like super into dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. So this cryptid gets special focus from cryptozoologists and especially the young Earth creationists because, like I mentioned earlier, they believe that if they can find a living dinosaur, it invalidates evolution. So these young Earth creationists do a lot of searching for this particular cryptid. Okay. One possible explanation for the Mokili Mbembe is that the sightings are actually of a black rhinoceros.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So it's a darker skinned rhinoceros. You know, it has the one horn or tooth, gray skin, four feet.
1: Right. That makes sense.
0: I mean, minus the long neck, it sounds like a rhinoceros. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Dan. That's everything you need to know about cryptozoology and the cryptids they study. Do with that what you will.
1: That's your knowledge. You're free to forget it. And if we got anything wrong, you can always email us.
0: Email us at 24HourExpert at gmail.com. It is also our website, our Instagram, and our Facebook. You can find us there.
1: Awesome. Bye. Bye. I know if there's sour cream in there.
0: <laughs> he, he can tell. Thank you for listening to 24-Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bombino.
1: If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you're notified of future episodes.